Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. And I am back in the lab, y'all. I am so excited that today I received the first proofs of Joni's book, No Thanks for Girls. It's due out August 2021. So as you can imagine, I am in the throes of editing last copy so that I can get it to the layout artist and get it published. I'm so excited. Just so you know what we're doing here, we actually preview, or at least foreshadow this book at the end of No Thanks, the remix, where we start to hear me tell stories about how I was trying to instill courage and confidence into my little girl early on. Well, just so you know, no thanks for girls. Seven Ways to Say I'm Beautiful, Strong, and Enough was actually Joni's brainchild. As I was literally writing the first edition of No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say I'll Just Include Myself, she walks into my home studio as I'm flipping manuscripts and frantically editing and writing. She says, Mommy, I want to write a book. And I said, oh, and you know, just as parents do sometimes, we think things are just nice. And that was enough for me. But she pressed. She said, what, what if it was little no thanks? And I stopped and I realized the importance of what she was telling me right there in that very moment. She saw her mommy writing books, modeling behavior that she wanted to model. And you know what? When that happens, and it's good behavior, you need to, as parents, double back and reinforce and get behind them. So that's what I did. She was learning composition already at her school. She was learning how to write stories. So I said, you know what, Joni, why don't you write seven stories for mommy where you have been left out, bullied, overlooked, mistreated, and then talk about what you learned in order to overcome that situation. And she did just that. And she sat with my mom, a retired English teacher, and got all of her sentence structures just right. And guess what mommy did? Mommy funded it. Because mommy has an imprint now, No Silos Communications, LLC, which is the brand, the publisher of the two books before also going to take on this children's book. So that's how No Thanks for Girls was born. And I can't wait to share it with you. August 2021. So that means we're going to be throwing it back today, but not very far, all the way back to the beginning of this year, January 2021, where we welcomed our very first woman of color to the second highest office in the land, Vice President Kamala Harris. And you know, there are some things we can learn from Kamala, both then and now. And if you have uncovered the second edition of No Thanks, the remix, you know that one of the bonus chapters tees up the story of Kamala Harris and what that means for women of color in the workplace today. Without further ado, I want to kick off this Throwback Thursday with an interview with one of my friends from NABJ, Sharice Jones. And let me give you the scoop right now. 
we're going to be reunited later on in August, August 18th through 20th, during the National Association of Black Journalists Annual Convention. I will be honored along with the book, No Thanks, for its first award, Outstanding Book Award for NABJ. And Sharice will be interviewing me. Sharice is the economic empowerment writer for the USA Today. It's another Throwback Thursday. Let's get it. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2018. I saw something that I hadn't seen on the Senate floor before. It was during a Senate hearing and Mark Zuckerberg was being grilled about internet privacy and safety and also about how messages were being shared from foreign countries in order to sway the election. Enter Senator Kamala Harris. That's right. It was a sister. And she was grilling this young CEO from Facebook. So much so that news media picked up on it. She was giving him the business. And it wouldn't be the last time. Fast forward to 2019 and we'd see her do it again to William Barr, the AG. Yes, she was giving him the business. And again, she made news. The former prosecutor from California was making a name for herself. But people already knew who she was. I was just getting to know her. And soon we would see her announce her candidacy to try to be a nominee for the Democratic ticket for the President of the United States. Yeah, we got a glimpse of what it might look like for a woman of color to lead this country. No, she didn't get the nomination. But fast forward a little bit more after the Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, was finally bestowed with this title of the nominee, he chooses a woman of color. And in the last short list of sisters, there she was again, Senator Kamala Harris, along with some great names that we would all come to know. But before long, she would be the candidate on the ticket with nominee Joe Biden to be vice president of the United States of America. Do you know what that means? Only a heartbeat away from the presidency, the most powerful individual in the United States of America, and some argue the world. Now she's not only on the ticket. After president-elect Joe Biden claimed the victory in the election. And and all the run-up to that is going to be for another show and everything that happened in between. 
we now have Madam Vice President-Elect Kamala Harris about to be inaugurated this week as Vice President of the United States of America. She's making history for a couple of reasons. One, she is the first woman to hold this office. Number two, she is the first woman of color to hold this office. She's the first black woman, and because she's biracial, the first Asian Pacific Islander. Senator Kamala Harris has crashed the double pane black ceiling. What are the implications for how women of color can be viewed now, looked upon, considered in the corporate workspace? You may be saying there's no connection between what amounts to be a political office and corporate America, but I beg to differ. What we see unfold at the highest levels of our country in leadership has a direct impact on what we see in the workplace. I invited one of my new friends to come on and talk about this because she wrote a story just after the election results were in. And you know it took us a while to get those. Sharice Jones, she's a writer at the USA Today, and she's a fellow NABJ member the National Association of Black Journalists. As you know, we are family, y'all. She agreed to come on the show and discuss this article she wrote because she talks about how Kamala Harris's new office as Vice President of the United States could and will impact the way Black women and women of color are viewed in leadership positions in the workplace. I present to you now that conversation between myself and Sharice, and it happens on this special inauguration edition of the Culture Soup Podcast. And guess what? I want to give a special, special salute to Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, who's also my sorority sister of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Let's get it. Welcome back. You know, we took a break for the holidays. I hope you took some time for some self-care. It's El Michelle Smith here with the Culture Soup Podcast. I'm your host and your executive producer. For those of you who are new to this, as some of you are true to this, it has been a wild ride, two years straight, and I finally took a break, y'all. Over 200 episodes, I needed a break. I hope you took some time, too, because you know what? 2020 and 2021 have been nuts, can I tell you? They've been crazy, and it's like things just keep piling on top of us. But there's some really great issues that have been raised in this. Some of them are a little treacherous, some of them a little morbid because we've lost so many lives. And, you know, um, shout out to everyone out there who's struggling health-wise and also with their family members. If you've lost loved ones, if you lost colleagues, you know what? Our hearts go out to you and we're praying for you because we're all in this together. At least that's the way we should be thinking about it, right? Um, But the other thing is this, leadership has come into question and has for quite some time, but there's a 
a silver lining here. We might even say it's a pink and green one. Yeah, shout out. You know, when I'm recording this, it's J15. It's January 15th. It is Founders Day for Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Of course, I'm a member of that. And it's 113 years of sisterhood. And we're celebrating that. But that also tees up the day that this show will air. And that is the day after Inauguration Day, which made me think that it might be good to have somebody who has thought about this a little bit. In fact, she's written about it. Her name is Sharice Jones, and she writes for the USA Today. And I'm excited to finally meet her by Skype. And also, she is a new friend of mine. As you know, only friends make it onto this show. You cannot pitch this show. That's right. But you must be a friend. And I have friends, old and new, and I am pleased to say that my fellow National Association of Black Journalists member, Sharice Jones, is joining me today. Hey, Sharice, how are you doing? Hey, I am so happy to be here. Happy New Year. You know, thankful for the new friendship and and ready to chit chat about all of the great things that we hope will be happening this year. Fantastic. And guys, I got to tell you, uh, leading up to the election, I believe it was post pre-election or post-election that you wrote the article. It was actually right after the election. Yeah. Okay. So I think within a couple of weeks. Yeah. So right after the election, Sharice penned a very thoughtful article for the USA Today that talked about how Kamala Harris's election might very well shift the way people in corporate America view Black women in leadership. We're going to talk about that because as you know, I've written a book called No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say. I'll just include myself and it zeroes in on that very topic, how women of color and black women are not centered in the workplace and we have leadership aspirations. So how does that work? So Sharice, as we jump into this conversation, what do you say we have a culture soup moment? Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) For those of you that are joining us for the first time, the Culture Soup moment has everything to do with the premise of social media being culture soup. In other words, we've got lots of underrepresented groups driving conversations and trends online on the social sphere. And you can't, I mean, you've got to be under a rock. Maybe you're not even on Twitter. If you're not on even TikTok or Clubhouse, Maybe you don't know that the trending topics right now are around our country's leadership. And of course, there was an impeachment that happened, the second one in a row for mm, the guy that's there now (laughs) that we're trying to move on from. Who's getting out. (laughs) Right. But you also know that when Senator Kamala Harris became Madam Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, the Twitter sphere... The TikTok sphere, the interwebs went nuts. And there's a reason why she's our first black and not just female vice president elect. And she's our first Pacific Asian Islander. This is huge. What you say, Sharice? Um, it is momentous. And I think that when you talk about social media, a really good point to bring up is part of the reason that she got that appointment, that she was picked by Joe Biden, was black women 
you know, coming together, activists, media personalities saying, we want a payoff for our work. Right. You know, we deserve to be in leadership. We're always doing the work of this political party. And we want a black woman in that space. And so, you know, her ascension, I think, represents not only her talent, but all of the talents that came together from that movement to make sure that we were recognized in that way. And it culminates on this day. It's amazing. Because so much of what's going on in this political arena that led up to the elections and even thereafter, because we had runoffs in Georgia where black women played a huge role in moving the needle in some states that weren't supposed to be blue. I think that's what's so interesting is that not only do you have Kamala in the spotlight, Kamala Harris, but Stacey Abrams yes. and all of those organizers who are getting that moment in the spotlight because it's so clear uh, the role that we play and how deserved we are of recognition and being able to dispense power and not just help other people attain it. And so everything that happened after the presidential election has, I think, really made that clear as well. Absolutely. And, you know, um, the book, and I've shared it with you, No Thanks, really centers on this. Love and it. folks, I want you to understand that what happens in the political sphere has everything to do with what happens in the corporate sphere. There is no separating it. And you may say, oh, we don't talk politics at work. That's not the point. It's the human dynamic. And what we saw with this political, um, you know, phenomenon that happened with um, Joe Biden choosing a black woman in response to kind of, a, you know, a, it was a large outcry um, from people that understand that time and time again, black women have come to task and we have done the thing. We're overqualified. That's what the U.S. Census says. We are the most right. educated group out there. We have more advanced degrees than any other right. group. Right. And we start businesses more than anybody. We, we are starting small businesses at a higher clip than yes. any other female segment, which is leading the way. So women are leading the way, period. But here we are with these overachieving, highly educated black women who deliver and over-deliver and clean up messes over and over and over again. What is the message here? What might be what we see moving forward based on Senator Kamala Harris, who was also a presidential candidate, by the way. Right. Right. We see her breaking ground in a way that no other woman has done before. What, what's the implication? Well, I think that, first of all, we have to look at, and I know you know this so well, that life is political. Yeah. Right. So when we talk about the political arena being separate, no, it's not, because those dynamics play out in the workplace, in school, in relationships, in spiritual institutions. And so we have to understand that. I think that Kamala Harris's ascension um, basically opens up the imagination mm. of white corporate America, you know, seeing black women centered in that way. And maybe just as important or more importantly, it opens up the imagination of our children. Yeah. You know, our little girls and our little boys to know that you really can do whatever you set out to do. You can break through any ceiling. And that's very critical because if you can't imagine it for yourself, there's no way that you can get there.
You know, nobody can give you the equality that you talk about so beautifully um, in your book. And Thank so I you. think that that's really significant. But I also think we have to be very honest about the fact that just because white people's imaginations open up doesn't mean opportunities are going to be flowing. Absolutely. That we still have to present ourselves, center ourselves and demand a seat at the table and our share of power, which we so deserve. Absolutely. And now seems to be a critical time to do absolutely that. With all of the, you know, tragedy and sickness and job losses and furloughs and gosh, you name it, we wake up every day with something new. Online school, I have that going on right in in the room next to me. All of the stress that's happening and the brunt of it being on women, especially black women and women of color, it would seem counterintuitive to say, now's the time to step up and lead. But there's a reason to say that. I um, go on in the book to say, we've got all of these corporations making these pledges, putting up their black tiles on Instagram. Let's call them right now. Exactly. On, on the promises that they're making. Don't you agree? Put your money where your mouth is. We don't want to just hear slogans. We don't want to see these beautiful statements, these flowery statements on Instagram and on the web. We want to see real change. And I think things have been so dire, literally dire, you know, when it comes to illness, when it comes to police brutality, that people are just at the end of the rope. They're fed up. Yeah. And we don't want incremental change. We don't want to tiptoe. We don't want to put out these olive branches and kind of wait another 20 years. We want change today yes. because we have earned it. Yes. And waiting another week, another month, that's another how many lives? Yes. You know, we dominate the essential workers that have been going out to the fast food places and the meatpacking plants, uh, putting our lives on the line to keep the rest of society going. Um, we have seen the disparities in our healthcare system. We have seen the continued killings of Black people throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think people are saying enough is enough. You know, we have always pushed this country toward being what it claimed to be, but it was not. And we're sick of pushing you. Now we want deliverance. Yes. And I think that's the moment that we're in. And here's the thing. We can't wait. Like you said, we can't wait on somebody else to do it for us. No. We have to step up. And here's the difference between ourselves and our parents and even our grandparents. We have the power of this education that I keep talking about that we over index in. And we have the power of technology. And no one has demonstrated that more than Stacy. Abrams, even when that election, you know what? It could be argued that it was stolen from her. Okay, we know about voter suppression. She was able to turn those tables and turn Georgia blue. And she did it herself. She didn't wait on anybody. No, she did it step by step, plank by plank, voter by voter. There's another woman and her last name escapes me. And I mm-hmm. hate that. Um, it's Latasha Morgan. Brown. Is it Brown? It's Brown. 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 You're right. It's Brown. It is Brown. I when follow her on Twitter. Matter. She's amazing. Yes. And she has been 
in the background mm-hmm. doing the work like so many of us do. Yes. The hard work for years. And it's finally getting a little bit of that shine and a little bit of that recognition. But it is women like her and Stacy who have made so much possible yeah. and have made us be able to reimagine a landscape where the South can be progressive. Yeah. You know, where there may be a black woman governor of Georgia in the next election yeah. if Stacey Abrams runs again. So I think the opening of imagination is a very important thing because you have to be able to envision it, to believe it, to pursue it. But then you have to really say, we're not going to take this. We want change that is meaningful and significant now. And absolutely, we have it in our DNA. I, I talk about in the book that one of the things that we have as our secret sauce is resilience. And that's because we hear the word no all the time, all the time. And guess right. what? It was amazing to hear Senator Kamala Harris say this after she was elected um, as vice president elect. She said, I eat no for breakfast. And I hadn't actually heard that before. <laughs> I wrote it in my book. You wrote it. I wrote yes. it in my book. I said, um, Rockstar leaders eat no for breakfast because we know it's a matter of numbers. No's right. get us closer to our yes. And these women that we're talking about have demonstrated it. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you say that too, um, Michelle, because, you know, we had all the violence that happened in the Capitol. And when you talk to some people, they become, they've been very dispirited by mm-hmm. that and discouraged and, and frightened. But I think that remembering that, that there's so many no's before you get the victory. Yes. It's critical. And our history illustrates that. Yes. And I think we have to really remember that. Remember the wisdom, the words, uh, look at the protests of our elders and our ancestors to get that. Like, yeah, this is, you know, it's a bad moment in many ways, but it's a promising moment too. Yes. And that's what we have to hold on to. And so many preachers and wise people have always said, look for the message in the mess. Y'all, this is in our DNA. This is in our culture. We know that. I mean, we've heard it from the pulpit, right? It's our opportunity to look for the opportunity. And it's so wise of you to say, even with the terrorism that was on Capitol Hill, The way you look at it will have everything to do with how we move forward. And the fact is, someone raised it to me the other day. Those folks that think the way they do, they're becoming more vocal. So we know exactly who they are. Right, right. Well, that's true. I mean, I think that, you know, something that people don't think about a lot is, you know, losing candidates always get tens of millions of votes, Mm -hmm. right? So you've always had people who had this very different mindset. And I think that the airing of it, the fact that people are upfront with it is a good thing because it makes the country have to recognize what has always been here, Yes, but which was a lot easier to deny. And now you can't do it. Yes. You know, you could see, you know, I just wrote another story about the disparity in the treatment Yes, of the people who rioted the terrorism in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And the way the Black Lives Matter protesters were. I mean, it's right there for the entire world to look at. Thanks to these devices. (laughs) (laughs) Technology is going to make the difference. And, you know, it's you can look at these things as necessary evil, but we wouldn't be on the road where we are now. Even going back to Trayvon Martin and the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement, if it were not for 
mobile social. Because that became a trending hashtag on Twitter and we haven't been the same since. We've been able to shine a light on this phenomenon, the killing of black men and women at the hands of officers. And people have been able to open their eyes, at the very least recognize it. Maybe they don't do anything about it, but they know. It's on the evening news. Right. Well, it's a way to, you know, put that spotlight on something instantly. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if if Tulsa, if there had been a Twitter when the massacre happened, or when Rosewood happened, or so many other tragedies and, and devastating incidents in our history. And with this, you can bring attention you can spread a message and you can also spark a rallying cry. Right. You know, you can organize. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. I mean, there certainly is that negative side yeah. to it, too. You know, there's the trolling and yeah. there's the ugliness, but it also can be a really productive tool. And Absolutely. I think that we've seen that a lot in recent years. Before you go, any last thoughts for Black women as we go into deeper into 2021 and whatever it has for us with the example that is before us in the embodiment of our Madam Vice President-elect Kamala Harris? I think that Black women should look at this as this is a new season and it is a season that is so ripe with possibility to have a Black woman at that level to have a Stacey Abrams that helped her get there and all the other black women, the Latasha Browns and those whose names we don't know. Right. That I think centering ourselves is critical for self care, mm-hmm. you know, for our own health, but also because we deserve it. And I think it's a very ripe moment to make people back up their proclamations, their slogans with action and to take our seat at the table. I love that. I love it. Sharice, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Culture Soup Podcast. And you have anything special you're writing coming up soon that we should be aware of? I actually have a couple of stories about the origins of black and white in Mm. this country. You know, where this whole idea of race came from and how it's been used to divide us and what we can do to try and finally rectify, you know, that ill, that systemic ill that has really riven this country for so long. So please keep an eye out for that. I love that. Yes, the racial constructs. Very interesting. We have Dr. Henry Louis Gates coming on in the next couple weeks. So that's a great way to tee things up. He'll be talking about his new book and his documentary, The Black Church, and of course, Finding Your Roots. So Sharice, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate it. Where can people find you online and follow you? Well, C. Jones at usatoday.com and at Sharice Jones on Twitter. So please look out for me and what I'm doing. And this was a wonderful day. Happy Inauguration Day. Happy New Year. And let's step into our new season with power. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sharice. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. What an extraordinary conversation with the fabulous and talented man her writing is is impeccable you know you have to be to be a journalist at that level Sharice 
Jones of the USA Today. Thank you so much, my sister, for coming on and having this important conversation. And throughout our talk, you may have recognized that we referenced my book, No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll Just Include Myself. You can go to lmichellesmith.com slash no thanks and get that book, any branded gear you might be interested in. For those of you who'd like to have me out to speak, you can also click there for a speaker request. I'm doing corporate workshops and I'm also doing author events. So go online and put your requests in right now. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.